Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. There are 34 distinct miracles recorded in the Gospels, but over the next seven weeks, we will explore and study the seven miracles that John's Gospel spotlights in our new series entitled The Grave Robber. On August 24th, 1814, the British Army, led by General Robert Ross, marched into Washington and began to systematically burn all of our buildings, the treasury, the capitol, the presidential palace, which later became known as the White House, and the Library of Congress. There were only 3,000 volumes in the Library of Congress at the time, but it made kindling for the fire. Several months later, in January of 1815, Congress set out to rebuild the nation's library by approving the purchase of the largest personal collection of books in the United States. And they belonged to our third president, Thomas Jefferson who once said, I cannot live without my books. But he was willing to sell them for $23,950. The Library of Congress houses 35 million books. It also is a custodian of 6.5 million pieces of sheet music, 5.4 million maps, and 13.6 million photographs, of which mine's not in there. And if you care about things like this, it adds, uh, it adds about 11,000 volumes of things every day it's open. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning to learn some facts like that? In <laughs> Here's my point. Let's talk about two of the books in the Library of Congress that were part of Jefferson's collection. The first one was a Bible. It was printed in Geneva, Switzerland in 1555 and radically changed the way we read the Bible. A French printer and a scholar named Robert Estine had a novel idea of adding numbers to create chapters and to create verses. So the next time you cite a verse, or the next time you take out your big card, John 3.16, to a ball game, you owe it to the Estine Biblia, because it was the first Bible to have chapters and verses and not just a flow. The second book I want to talk about is also a Bible. It's called the Jefferson Bible. It became known as that. Thomas Jefferson had a profound appreciation for the teachings of Jesus Christ, but he was also a child of enlightenment. And when Jefferson was 16 years old, his first year at William and Mary College, he had a professor named William Small who introduced him to the writing of British empiricists. John Locke and his enlightened brethren enthroned, hear me now, reason and made logic Lord. And Jefferson did likewise because he was turned as a young man. Now, let's just stop here. I think that there is a natural human tendency for us to explain away stuff that we cannot explain. All right? But when you do, you lose the mystery and you lose the miracles of life. You can try to reduce God to logical constraints of your left brain. And you can try to create God in your own image. The technical term is anthropomorphism. But when you do that, you end up with a God lowercase g lowercase, that looks an awful lot like you, talks an awful lot like you, thinks like you, acts like you. In fact, it's a mirror image of yourself. In the words of A.W. Tozer, what you end up with is a God who can never surprise you, a God who can never astonish you, a God who can never overwhelm you, and a God who can never transcend you. And I might add, a God who can never do miracles. Hallelujah. And that's not the God in the Bible that I believe in. I believe in the God of the Bible. 
I believe in that God who is high and exalted. I believe in a God who is omnipotent and omniscient. I believe in a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I believe in a God whose thoughts are higher than my thoughts and whose ways are higher than my ways. I believe in a God whose love I can't possibly, I can't possibly earn, whose mercy I can't possibly deserve, and whose power I can't possibly comprehend. I believe in a God who exists outside the four dimensions of space and time that he created. I believe in a God who can make the laws and then break the laws of nature. I believe in a God of miracles. Hallelujah. I believe in a God who can make the sun stand still and can part rivers. I believe in a God who can create the cosmos with four words. Let there be light. I believe in a God who can turn water to wine and heal a man born blind. And I believe in a God who can raise a man from the dead after he's been dead for four solid days. Do you believe in that kind of God? That's the God that I'm preaching about this series. I believe that. G.J. Chesterton said, how much happier we would be, how much more of you there would be if the hammer of the higher God would smash our little cosmos. God, smash our tiny little earth and let us see your bigness. If you'll give Jesus a chance, he'll do that for you. Back to Jefferson. February of 1804, Jefferson went to work with a pair of scissors creating an abridged version of the Bible. Minus all the miracles. He included the teachings of Jesus, but he excluded the miracles. He deleted the virgin birth. He deleted the resurrection and the 34 distinct miracles that Jesus did in between. In the words of historian Edwin Gustad, if a moral lesson was embedded in the miracle, the lesson survived the Jeffersonian scripture, but the miracle did not survive. Are you with me? Even when this took careful cutting with scissors. And classic example was a man that had the withered hand that was healed in the synagogue on the Sabbath. In the Jefferson Gospel, he still offers commentary on the Sabbath, but the man's hand was left unhealed. Now when Je Jefferson got into John's Gospel, which was our series and has been our series, Gustad said he kept his blade busy. <laughs> Jefferson's version of the Gospel ends with a stone rolled in front of a tomb. See, Jesus died on a cross, but he never rose from the dead. That's hard for some of us to imagine. How can you take a pair of scissors to the sacred text of Scripture? And part of us says you can't do that. But many of us, in our mind, because we won't receive what God has for us, does the same thing. What promises have we stopped claiming in our life? What miracles are we not believing God for anymore? There's a commercial on TV that I get the biggest kick out of, and I may be the only one. You may have never seen it because you may be a channel surfer and you don't do commercials. But there's a commercial called The Settlers. And there are people that dress in old, old clothes, and they have settled for cable TV. <laughs> they won't get direct TV. And there's a lot of people that have milk to take you home and some fresh meat, and mama can go out and kill a grizzly and make me some new shoes. There's some of those people like that, but I promise you, God is not in the past. He doesn't live in our yesterday. He is a God of right now. He's a God of a future, and he can give miracles in this house today. If you need something in your life, there's a God. Don't settle 
Don't cut things out of the Bible that should be there. Believe and understand God can still do anything. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. See, so we pick and choose. We did like Jefferson did. We rationalize the verses that are too radical and we scrub down the verses that are too supernatural. And we put scripture on the chopping block of human logic and we end up with a neutered gospel. We really do. Forgive us, Lord. When the miracles, when you subtract the miracles like Jefferson did, you're left with a wise yet weak Jesus. You're left with a kind, compassionate, but the raw power of Jesus is missing. And when you cut out the miracles, you cut Jesus off at the knees. And I think, I think that's what Jesus many people follow. And I think that's the people that want Jesus to follow them. That's not the genuine Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the gospel. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, there are those who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I don't want just to go through the motions of church. I want God to invade this church with the dynamic power of the glory of the Lord. Paul said, I didn't come with you of words of wisdom, but I came in demonstration and power. I believe that God wants to demonstrate himself every day in our lives Every weekend in our lives, 1 Corinthians 4 said the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And not just power, but it's wonder working power. Hallelujah. And I might add in the blood of the lamb. Praise God. Praise God. Clap your hands if you've ever been healed. Clap your hands if you've ever been delivered. Clap your hands if you've ever been set free. Rejoice if God's ever turned your family around. Get excited over the fact that he's still a healer and savior in your life. You follow Jesus long enough and far enough, you're going you're to experience the miraculous. I can't tell you when, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how or where. That's above my pay grade. But Jesus made one of the boldest statements he ever made in the Bible in John 14 and 12 when he said, whoever believes in me will do the work that I have been doing and they shall do even greater works than these. Greater works, really? Yeah, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that God is a God that lives in the lives of his believers. Everybody say greater things. See, if you follow Jesus, here's what I'm getting at. You're going to do what he did. You're going to care for the poor. You really are. You're going to wash some feet. And you're probably going to offend some Pharisees along the way. And you're going to traffic in the miraculous not as an eyewitness, but as a catalyst. And it's what I've been saying this whole series. We're all someone else's miracle. Don't get me wrong. God is the only one that can f- perform the miracles. So God gets all the glory. Clap your hands to that. But isn't it great that he wants to get us in on the action? And that's when it gets exciting. So here's what we're going to do. I want to make sure we end this series the way we begin this series. And here's how we begin it. We're not going to seek miracles. Say it. We're not going to seek miracles. We're going to seek Jesus. We're not going to seek miracles. We're going to seek Jesus. Clap your hands for Jesus today. Amen. And if you follow Jesus long enough and far enough, 
you'll find yourself in the middle of miracles. See, we started this in John 2 when Jesus turned water into wine. Not just any wine, but fine wine. And not just a little glass full, but 757 bottles. Because even water molecules are subject to the Creator. And then, in, and, then, and then the next lesson, Brad taught so beautifully about the healing of the nobleman's son. We learned that Jesus was God over longitude and latitude. He's not just a here Jesus or a there Jesus or a somewhere Jesus. He's an everywhere Jesus. He can do anything for you anytime, anywhere, any place. Hallelujah. That's a great God. And then in John 5, Pastor Lyles came along and he talked about the healing of the man that had been lame for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. And that man got his healing after 38 years because Jesus still heals. And then in John 6, last Sunday, we talked about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And we discovered that Jesus is into multiplication when we're trying to add and subtract with an abacus. I'm here to declare to you he's in the multiple because five plus two does not equal equals seven in the Lord's language. It equals 5,000 men plus women and children and 12 baskets left over because there's always more left over after Jesus gets through with a miracle than what he started with. Come on, clap your hands. That's the Jesus I'm preaching about today. So in John 11, we're going to discover that Jesus doesn't just make bad people good. He brings dead people back to life. John 11 said, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They thought that'd get him. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Let me give you some words of wisdom here, okay? You can put this on your refrigerator. I love refrigerator words. Never put a comma where God puts a period. And never put a period where God puts a comma. Because it ain't never over until God says it's over. I don't, I don't want to sound like a preacher that you didn't hear, but I'm going to say it again. It's never over until God says it's over. I think all of us hit spots in our life when we think it's over. Maybe we're dating someone and she was a good looking girl or maybe he was a handsome guy and had a great job and you had never dated a man with a great job. And the relationship ends and you feel like your life is over. Or maybe you made a mistake and you think that you can never get going in the same direction again or you lose a loved one, you lose a job, you lose your earnings, your savings. I want to tell you something. It's not over. It's not over. You may think that there's a period there but God may be putting a comma where you have put a period and said, I'm fixing to give you something like you have never had in your life. Why don't we start understanding that the God of the Bible is a miraculous God and he can do anything, anywhere, anytime for anybody. Clap your hands over that. I believe that. See, sometimes Oswald Chambers said, sometimes it looks like God is missing the mark. Because we're too short-sighted to see what he's aiming at or aiming for. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I've learned in my, in my life. Before God adds, many times he subtracts. And before God multiplies, many times he prunes. And before God brings something to life, usually something has to die. And we have tendencies to hit a panic button. We really do. When God's subtracting things in our life. 
or when we're getting pruned or when something is dying in our life. But I want to tell you that it could be that God is getting ready to do something in your life that you have never witnessed before in your life. This is the setting of John 11. Jesus is about to do. In fact, he told his disciples, Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Jesus was happy to go to Bethany to raise a dead man. It doesn't matter how dead things are in your life and in your job and in your existence. You got a happy Savior coming to your rescue today. He is happy. He said, I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there because I'm fixed to step into a situation and I'm going to do something that people cannot even believe or imagine that I could do. I am going to raise something from the dead in their life and I'm going to create life where they never thought life would be again. Somebody help me preach today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love this stuff. So research declares, church tradition. It offers two versions of what happened to Lazarus after his resurrection. One tradition holds that he and his sisters made their way to the island of Cyprus, to a little town called Barnica. And Lazarus became the first bishop of Kition. And the church of St. Lazarus in the modern city of Larnaca is believed by some to be built over his second tomb. That's kind of funny, isn't it? Over his second tomb. That's kind of funny. It's just funny. He died once, got raised up, and he died again. Supposedly buried there some 30 years after his first death. The second church tradition says that Lazarus and his sisters ended up in Marseilles, France, where Lazarus, you've you got to love this, hid and was hiding in a tomb when he was found by the emperor Domitian's men when persecution came to the Christians. And he was beheaded. Now, I'll be honest. I'm not sure which tradition is, is true or if either of them is true. It may be folklore. But this is what history bears out. But here's my point. Here's my point. Either way, Jesus gave Mary and Martha their brother back and Lazarus lived two lives. He lived a life before resurrection. And he lived a life after resurrection. He lived a life before resurrection and he lived a life after resurrection. I've read stories about Lazarus. They said he was the happiest man on the planet after he was resurrected. Nothing could make him sad again because once he realized that death had no hold on him forever, once he understood that when Jesus brought him out of that grave, he had been there and done that, had a t-shirt, it had a hole in it. And I'm declaring that once you come out, oh, hallelujah, once the Lord raises you up from the old life and the resurrection happens in your life, you ought to be the happiest people on the planet because he didn't come just to give you life. He came to give you life and that more abundantly. We ought to be the happiest people on the planet because we've been raised to walk in the newness of life. Hallelujah. That's a beautiful two-dimensional word, abundantly. In the, it means a life that will never end. So quantitatively, 
in quantity. It's, it's, it's forgetting 70, 80, 90 years. It's eternity. It's an eternal life. And qualitatively, it is a life with more joy and more purpose and more peace and more power than you ever had in your life. Aren't you glad? Folks, I got to stop. I, I, I got to stop. I got to stop. I may have a little, I may do a little Lazarus dance here in just a minute. But I'm so glad God knows how to change our past and wash away our yesterday and forgive our trespasses and forgive our sins and redeem us and resurrect us to a brand new life. Is anybody happy about that besides me today? Anybody? Jesus gave Lazarus a second life when the grim reaper met the grave robber. The grave robber won. Verse 17 said, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Oh, I love this. Jesus, say it with me, is never a day late, nor a dollar short. He's a provider on time. I have a theory, and my theory is this. He could have saved Lazarus. He was drawn, as he was drawn his last breath, he could have walked across the water and come through a closed door. He could have made it there. He could have made it there that quick. But Jesus had already done that. He had been there and done that. He had already revealed his healing powers. I think it was time for Jesus to reveal his resurrection power. For you see, this was not about a a preface of his resurrection. It was a preface of our resurrection. I believe that he wanted to show that there's nothing too dead and nothing too far gone that I can't bring it back. See, sometimes things goes from bad to worse because God wants to to reveal more of his grace, more of his love, more of his power, and more than we've ever known. The reason he healed the blind man in John 9 was not because somebody had sinned. He healed it so the glory of God could be revealed. And there's things that God wants to do in your life just because he's God and he gets happy coming to your situation. He wants to do a miracle that's greater than anything you've ever experienced. But again, all of us want the miracle. We just don't want to be in the situation that necessitates one. But sometimes you have to be in the grave for four days to really experience the unprecedented miracle like this. Now, I'm going to talk a little. Verse 21, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, kind of sounds a little passive aggressive here. My brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Mary and Martha said the same thing. Have you ever been passive aggressive with God? There's a little passive aggressive, I think. Somebody said, no, there wasn't. Yeah, there were. No, there wasn't. Yeah, there were. We all get there. God, why are you letting this happen in my life? If you'd show up right now, this wouldn't happen. God, why am I going through this? That's passive aggressive. You're charging God, but you're not really charging God. You're just fussing. You're not really fussing, but you're just telling God. And we all get there. But I'm telling you, everybody say, God's never late. He's always on time. And he's never a dollar short. He's got plenty. Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, put it up there. But, I'll put that up there. That starts verse 22. But, dot, dot, dot. Thank you, Mr. Esteem, for that. But, dot, dot, dot. But, and then there's follows one of the favorite phrases of all the scripture. I know that even now, 
God will give you whatever you ask. Now, God, you might not have showed up when I thought you should have shown up. But even now, we need some people in this church that have an even now spirit. Maybe it didn't happen in 82 like you thought. Maybe it didn't come to pass in 95 like you thought. Maybe it didn't happen in 15 like you thought. Maybe 16. Maybe April wasn't the best you've ever seen. But I'm telling you, you need to get an even now in your spirit. Even now, you can ask God and he'll give you what you ask of him. Everybody say even now. I'm going to walk out of this church today saying even now, God, even now. I don't understand what happened then and I don't understand what's going to happen yesterday and the day before, but I'm going to tell you, God, I will live in an even now spirit in my life. You can do it for me even now. Go home, sing songs in the morning, quote scripture at night, go to bed with prayers on your lips. God, you got an even now in your heart and I'm going to do something for me even now. Even now, I must hurry, I must hurry. So I got to ask you, Lazarus has been dead four days. And this is so great. Denial ain't just a river in Egypt. At what point do you give up on God? Day one, day two, day three, day four, corruption set in. It's over in day four. It's over. When do you give up? Martha still had faith. On day four, she still believed. Evidently, she thought, you know, I might be a little crazy, but Jesus is standing here. And there's no reason for me to doubt the fact that because he wasn't here, my brother died, that because now he is here, he's going to stay dead. I'm going to trust him for what he's going to do for me right now. See, People thought Jesus was crazy on more than one occasion. When he walked in the temple and threw out the money changers, they thought he was crazy, but Jesus wasn't crazy. Crazy is people turning the house of God into a den of thieves. That's what crazy is. People are crazy who are people who are maintaining status quo when you've got a God so great that wants to help you even now. Amen? See, Jesus is normal. Miracles in the Bible are normal. Say they're normal. But you see, our normal is so subnormal that normal seems abnormal. And that's what I want you to say. Oh, I don't want my normal to be subnormal. I want my normal to be abnormal. I want to believe God for anything. In fact, I'm going to say it, and I don't, I don't want you to think I'm doing this, but I want to be crazy about God. I want to be crazy about what he can do. Crazy is the biblical norm. I want to clap my hands when I'm in the valley of despair. I want to raise my hands and say, even in the valley of Baca, the valley of tears, and say, God, even now, you can come to where I am. I want to be crazy about this Jesus that I'm preaching about. Because he is, he is the miracle worker. I'm glad she didn't stop when she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she put a comma there, not a period. She said, but even now. Verse 43, and I, I close. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I'm so glad he called him by name because if he had said come out, everything in the graveyard would have come out. But I guarantee there was some more than one Lazarus in that graveyard. I, he knew the DNA of that Lazarus. It's, no, I'm not talking to you. You go on back. I'm talking to this one. 
Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, and his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hallelujah. Now, we assume the outcome because we know how the story ends. But everybody say, Lazarus comes out of the tomb. He comes out of the tomb. It would have been a bad moment if Lazarus hadn't come out of that tomb. Hear me. Jesus has done all these miracles. But it's almost like sports. You're only as good as your last game. You really are. He's already proved himself. But here Jesus risks risks his reputation. He puts all the miraculous collateral on the table. Because if it doesn't work, it's all out the window. But he knows that he's about to reveal a dimension of his power and glory that no one has ever seen. Lazarus, come forth. Now, I want to preach a little bit right now, if it's all right to close. Let me talk to you a little bit about Jewish burial customs. Lazarus probably had about 100 pounds of grave clothes on him. His head was wrapped. In fact, the visual image is a mummy. So to me, I think there are really two miracles here. Number one, the fact that Lazarus is raised from the dead. But number two, and how in the world did he get out of the tomb? He had 100 pounds of grave clothes on him. His head was wrapped. He couldn't walk, so he must have done this. Don't think I'm silly. I'm just trying to show you something. He just a hopping. I think Jesus turned tragedy into comedy. Because you understand, he's glad that he's there. And he wants to make, see this all started by turning water into wine, making people happy. And in the last miracle of man, he wanted to make people happy again. Jesus is into this joy thing. You understand what I'm saying? He loves people to be joyous in their life. Come on. And here comes Lazarus hopping out. I guarantee you, till the day they died, some of those people, when they went to dance parties, they did the Lazarus. Don't throw me under the bus for that. But sometimes it's powerful when you understand the Lord can personalize Scripture. How many remember when he said, son, and he called you by name, come out. Daughter, rise up. He called you by name. He knows you. He understands your down settings and your upbringings. He knows where you are right now. And he calls you. Rex, come forth. Patty come forth. Brad come forth. Octavius come forth. Brandon come forth. Reed come forth. Come on out. Come on. He calls us by name. Aren't you glad? And you say, I I don't know if I can make this or not because I got all these sins around me. I'm wrapped in these grave clothes and I'm dead in trespasses of sin and I'm heavy and I, I don't know if I can do it or not. But he's calling you and something gives you the power to stand up and start hopping out of your situation and saying, I may not be where I want to be now, but I will be when God gets me out of this grave and out of this sin. And the church is unwrapped you and let you go. And here you are today. You've been called out. Come on. It's time to live a life of victory in your heart and in your future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I close with this beautiful story. I was preaching revival several years ago. I need a little help. I was preaching revival several years ago. 
And a young woman came down to the front to receive the Lord, and she was a heroin addict. And the pastor told me she wants deliverance so bad. And I, I was just a young kid. I wasn't even married. And the Lord said, do you believe I can do that? And I said, Lord, you can do anything. You think I believe it now? Boy, I believed it then. Because it was my life. It was all I had. If the Lord didn't come through, I didn't have revivals. And I said, Lord, you can do it. I said, you can do it. He said, he said tell her I'm going, to, I'm going to heal her. And I prayed for her. There wasn't no big demonstration. I left that revival. Several, several months, several months later, perhaps a year, year and a half, I was preaching in another place. And I saw this mother and her children walk in to the revival. And I said, I, I've seen them. You know, I, I, you recognize faces. You can't tell where it is. You know, it's like when you see people on the job and then you see them at church, you think, how do I recognize these folks? But I saw her walk in and something touched my heart and touched my attention. She walked up to me after church and she said, Brother Rex. Mm. She said, Brother Rex. She said, you prayed for me in New Orleans, Louisiana. Nine, ten months ago. I forget really what, what, what time she said, but it, it had been a while. She said, you prayed for me. And said, I was a heroin addict. She said, look. Look. The needles are healing up. The needle marks are healing in my arms. I don't have them anymore. I've been healed by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to come tell you. I just wanted to come tell you. It's kind of like Columbus when he's looking for land. The Bible said they saw a branch on the breaker. And they knew they were headed for land. And I, I, I got land inside. I, I've got some landing area in sight right now because I see miracles in this house. I see God turning your life. I see the Lord healing your family. I see the Lord touching that disease. I see God doing great things in your family. I see that. But even now, even now, so Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, Martha, do you believe that? She said, yes, Lord. That's the shortest verse in the Bible of acceptance of what Jesus could do. All God's looking for today is a yes, Lord. That's all he's looking for. Just a yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You can do anything. Would you stand to your feet all over the house? You're an awesome people. God wants to do some great things. I'm asking the prayer team to come quickly right now. Come quickly. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Just a moment. Just bow your head. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.